Appreciate you all being here. Open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 25. That will be the, the basis of our lesson this morning. It's good to see everyone. Appreciate visitors coming our way and being a part of our worship this morning. We seek to serve God as we see example from God's Word. That is what we intend to do, no more, no less. And we hope that you are encouraged and edified um, by our worship here this morning. It's good to see everyone. Matthew 25, we have essentially three stories here, three, uh, a couple of parables, and then Jesus is teaching at the end. But they really all tie together, which is, which is int- interesting. Sometimes we take things out of context and study and focus in on a very small portion. That's okay. Uh, we can do that. It's also good to, to look at the broader context and to look and see uh, what we might learn by seeing what all Jesus is teaching in a broader sense. And so this morning I want to begin with that in mind and, and, and thinking about these three things, preparation, ability, and action. And those things are, are kind of thematic of these, uh, these three main parts of chapter 25 in Matthew's accounting here. So we have the parable of the ten virgins here in the first part. We have the parable of the talents. And then we have, beginning of verse 31, Jesus is teaching on, on the judgment. And there's, there is the connection there, and that's what we'll look at this morning. Um, so let's begin here with um, looking at the parable of the ten virgins. I want to read. Uh, it's always good to, to hear scripture. Uh, it's good for us to uh, to read God's word for ourselves and to, and to learn and understand it um, for ourselves. So let's take the time to read through as we go. Matthew 25, beginning verse 1. Our Lord says there, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five went out to meet the bridegroom. Uh, five, uh, five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil in flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, saying, No. There will be not enough for us to give you two. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. While they were going away making the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. And later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. So, one thing that we can draw out of this parable is the idea of preparation. And we can see so clearly in what is spoken here, the idea of readiness. In Titus 3 and verse 1, it says, be ready for every good deed. We have so many things that tell us about being ready. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that lies within you. There's readiness there also. The idea of being ready for the things that are going to come your way. 
Can't we see that in this, in this parable? We see the, they're, they're, they're ready, um, but not fully, right? They got lamps, but there's, they're still missing something. There's a similar illustration over in Luke chapter 12. Go with me over there, Luke chapter 12. Very similar uh, language here that our Lord uses. Very similar illustration, Luke 12, beginning in verse 35. <clears throat> Our Lord says, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. We recognize the similarity there already. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will uh, gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them, whether he comes at the second watch or even the third, and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house knocks and know, uh, had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have allowed his house to be broken into. You too, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. You know, if we know when the thief is coming to break in our house, we're probably going to be ready for him, right? We can probably set our defenses and be ready for him if we know the exact hour. Problem is we don't know the exact hour. There's the readiness, we have to wait. We're, we're ready, but we don't know exactly when the hour is coming. But the readiness is what's important. What's also important here is that we have a goal. Now with the, back in the parable here, the 10 virgins had the same goal, right? They, they were waiting for the bridegroom to come so that they could go with him to the wedding feast. They all had the same goal. But there were some different preparations. Only five had made all the necessary preparations. All ten of them had their lamps, but only five of them had the extra oil to go in it. We all have that same goal, don't we, of reaching heaven. Why else are we here this morning? Why else would we come here if we're not mindful and focused on spiritual things and want to go to heaven? So we, then we have to ask ourselves the question, have we made all the necessary preparations? See, they had the lamps, but did they have enough oil to keep them lit throughout the night? And we can make so many applications with that, but think about what it takes. We might have the lamp, but have you, are you feeding the lamp? Are you giving the lamp what it needs to keep going? And that's important. We need to keep that lamp burning. We need to keep doing the things that we are to do to feed that lamp. Make sure we have enough preparations, enough uh, oil to keep the lamp burning all night long. So make sure that we're doing that. And then in this lesson we see missed opportunity. Verse 9 of the prudent answer saying, No, there would not be enough for us to go. You instead go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. So they had to leave and go buy some oil. And what happened while they were gone? The bridegroom came. The five that were there and ready and had their lamps uh, still burning because they had everything that they needed, they were able to go with the bridegroom into the wedding feast, but the, the other five, they missed their opportunity. We need to make sure that we don't miss any opportunities. Opportunities are all around us. They're all around us. We need to make sure that we don't miss them. Not just getting into heaven, what a wonderful opportunity we don't want to miss there. But make sure we're helping those along the way. You know, that's part of 
what it means to be a Christian, that we're telling others about the wonderful glory of God. Let's make sure that those opportunities as they come along, that we're not at the store buying oil for a lamp. Get that done already. You know, get up early and get that done so that you're ready when the opportunities come your way. Next in the text here, we have the parable of the talents. I want to read this one also. Beginning of verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went out and traded with them and gave five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master, uh, master of the slaves came and settled his accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents, and I have gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And I will uh, enter into the joy of your master. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I know that you are a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away uh, and hid your talent in the ground. See, what I have is yours. This master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did scattered no seed. You ought to have put the money in the bank and made, uh, on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to another with the ten talents. For to everyone who has more, uh, uh, to everyone who has more shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But the one who has does not have even what he has will be taken away. And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ability. You know we need to be utilizing our abilities. In our in our parable here, there's three. Slaves who get their portion, five talents, two talents, and one talents, the five and the, and the two double their money. They utilize their abilities. They take what had been given to them and they doubled it. But there's that one who didn't even do anything. In fact, we read when the, the, the master talks to him, he makes excuses, right? I know you're a hard man, reaping where you do not sow. And he, he made excuses for why he hadn't done anything with his talent other than dig a hole in the ground and put it there. We need to make sure we're utilizing our abilities. We need to make sure that we're doing the best with what God has given us. And we talk about talents, so a lot of times our mind jumps right away to our abilities, right? And that's a fair way to think about it. What, what have we been blessed with in our abilities? God has blessed us all in an individual and special way. What are we doing with those? What are we doing with those talents that we have? And especially in light of scriptures like Ephesians 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed to, uh, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
every spiritual blessing. Now, that doesn't mean that he's given each one the same amount of, of talent, but it does tell us that he's given us the same amount of blessings. And that number is every. Every blessing. So we're quick to say, well, I can't do this, I'm not good at doing that. Can we learn some lessons from what we see here? One had a lot of talent. He had five talents given to him, and he doubled it. The other one had two talents. What did he do? He doubled it. So it's not the number. And, and, and the master, when he spoke to those two, he responded to them the exact same way. He said, blessed are you for what you have done. Enter into your master's joy. He had the exact same response to those two. So our lesson is to take what we have been given and double it. Take what talent we have, what blessings that we have been given from God, and double it. Don't dig a hole and hide it in the ground. Because what you're doing there is you're, you're hoarding. And you're hoarding the gospel. You know, we, we've, been, we've been told, we've been charged to go out and tell people about it. About the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we, if we just dig a hole in the ground and, and put it there, it's not going to do anything. It'll sit there. A man given only one talent just hit it in the ground. We have to be careful that we're not doing that as well. Look over in Matthew chapter 5. You know, it's not God's plan for us just to, to hide the things that we have been blessed with. It's, it's God's plan for us to use those things, to put them to good use. In Matthew 5, here at the beginning of verse 13, it says... See, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do, uh, do men light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven." That's what we're supposed to be doing with the things that we're blessed with. Salt and light in this instance are used those things that are useful. You know, salt makes the food taste good. Light is, to, is to, so you can see where you're going. Those are useful things that we've been given. given. You don't light a, a lamp and then cover it up. You set it up on a table so it can shine throughout the whole house. We need to be good stewards with those things that we're blessed with and use them. And there's a danger here that's, that's evident. There's, the danger is losing what little you have. That one who had the one talent, who dug the hole and put it in the ground. The master said, at least you should have put it in the bank and got a little interest off of it, but you didn't do that. So what does he say? He says, take that away from, from that one and give it to the one with the ten talents. There's serious consequences for not using our talents. We make sure that we're doing what it is that we uh, need to be doing. Hebrews 3 and verse 13 says, uh, Encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. We still have opportunity in this day as long as the sun's still shining and, and even up till midnight. We have opportunity. Let's make sure we're doing that because not doing it has terrible consequences. The last thing we'll look at is putting these things into action. Jesus is teaching here on the judgment. 
beginning of verse 31, ties these two things together. We'll make that, that comparison here in just a moment. But let's read here about what Jesus says in the judgment. Beginning of verse 31, and I'm going to skip over a little bit of this uh, for time's sake. Verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on, the, uh, on His glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as, this, uh, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare to you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and do these things for you, feed you, and, and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger, or naked, and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison? And the king will answer and say, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to the least of, the, of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And he goes on to say that you didn't do those things to me. I was hungry, you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was naked, you didn't give me anything to wear. I was in prison, you didn't come to see me. Verse 44. Then they say to themselves, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? And he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God recognizes our actions. You know, at the very beginning of that, there's the separation of the sheep and the goats. And it goes on to tell us about that separation. It goes on to tell us that uh, the, the goats are on his right hand, and those are the ones who have done according to God's will. And then, then I'm sorry, the sheep. <laughs> sheep are on his right hand, the goats are on his left. The goats, those who haven't done according to his will. Those who haven't done those things to take care of the brethren. And there's a separation there. And the idea here is that God recognizes our actions. He knows what we've done. And we're going to have to call that into account. We're going to have to speak up for that. Why is it that we have done what we've done? In Luke 12 and verse 2, it says, There is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that what will be known. You think we can hide from God? Ask Jonah about that. Jonah tried to. He wasn't successful. We can't hide these things from God. He knows. If, if Hebrews 4 and verse 13, There is no cre creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We can't hide anything from God. There's going to be a reckoning for the things that we have done in the body. We want to make sure that we're doing the right things. And understand this, that God rewards action and he punishes inaction. The sheep are going to inherit the eternal kingdom. The goats are going to inherit eternal punishment. And it's because of their action and inaction. The sheep were, were active in doing those things, taking care of, of those in need. The, the, the goats, they weren't. They weren't doing the things that they were supposed to be doing. 
Because of that, it says they will inherit eternal punishment. So then, uh, a question that often arises is, well, who do we do these things for? Who is my neighbor? Who is it that I am to take care of, to feed and to clothe and, and to, to give the water and to pay attention to and visit them in prison? Well, the Good Samaritan tells us, it gives us the perfect example of who it is that we are to do for. And it is those who we come in contact with. Look over in Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Beginning of verse 30, we read of the Good Samaritan. A certain man was going down from Jerusalem at Jericho, and he fell among the robbers, and they stripped him and beat him. And went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to that place, saw him, passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him in his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. So what's the overarching in this parable? It's the ones we come in contact with are the ones that we are to, we are to help. The priest and the Levite, what did they do? They passed on the other side of the road. It was the Samaritan who took pity on him, bandaged him up, dressed his wounds, put him in the inn, told the innkeeper that I, whatever's on his bill, I'll pay when I get back. Those are the ones that we are uh, to help as we come in contact with. And that's the action part of it. That's how we put this in action. We come in contact with those who are in need. We need to put it in action. Galatians 6 and verse 10, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. We have that first responsibility to our brethren. Those who are in the household of faith. That's those who are among uh, us as brethren. But then outside of that, we have opportunity. Those in all the world. And that we have to understand that when we come in contact with it, someone who is in need, we have that responsibility to help them. Preparation, ability, and action. So now we can, we can tie these together, these three main themes from, from Matthew 25. We need to make the necessary preparations. You know, we have the lamp. The lamp's not going to do us any good if we don't have any oil. We need the oil to go with the lamp, too, to keep that lamp burning. So we need to make the necessary preparations according to our own abilities. God has blessed us with certain abilities. He's given us talents, so to speak, and tying that to the parable. He's given us the ability to do things. He's given us the means to do things, financially or time or whatever. So according to our own abilities, we need to make the necessary preparations, and we need to take the appropriate action. So we tie all those things together, and, and that's what our Lord is showing here, that we have... Um, opportunities before us. We need to make that preparation so that we don't miss them. He's blessed us with talents. 
blessed us with certain abilities that we um, can do. And, and think about it also in that story there in the parable about doubling the money. What has God blessed you with? Are you doubling that? I think it's a good lesson to, that we should be, right? Take what God has given and trusted to us and make the most of it. Don't dig a hole and put it in the ground. And then we need to take that action. We've got our abilities and we've made our preparation and now we're waiting for opportunity. We've got the oil. We've got the lamp. Make sure we make the the best of the opportunities as they come along. The ten virgins, five of them were gone to buy more oil for their lamp and the bridegroom came and took them into the wedding feast and they shut the door. And they came and they knocked and they said, Lord, let let us in, open up. The Lord said, I do not know you. What a terrible thing to hear. Let's make sure that we're not ever told that by our Lord, that he doesn't know us. I'll leave you with this quote from Hebrews 10 and verse 39. We are not those who shrink back to destruction, but are those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Moving forward. Not shrinking back, not turning back, moving forward. God has given us all blessings. He's given us talents. He's given us, on an individual level, he's given us those things. Let's put them to use. Let's don't miss opportunities. Let's do everything that we can to to be pleasing to God. So when that judgment does come, when there's a separation of the sheep and the goats, we want to be with those sheep, those who fed the hungry and took care of those who were in need, mostly those who were pleasing to God, those who do according to his will. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become one, to understand what it means about hearing the message of the gospel, responding to it and recognizing that you need to make a change in your life. Upon that, you need to understand who Jesus Christ is, A very simple thing, but a powerful one. The understanding that all these blessings come through Jesus Christ. And if I want to be in in the kingdom, the only entrance is through Jesus Christ. And he is the Son of God. Upon that confession, you're a a candidate for baptism. You're ready to be baptized, to, to be put in the waters, buried, and to come up out of there a new creature, to walk in newness of life. What a blessing it is. If as a child of God you're not taking the opportunities that you should, if you're missing some of them because you're not ready, I would encourage you, take what God has given you and double it so that you're ready as those opportunities come along. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand in scenes to encourage you.